0: Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we want to congratulate Ian on the success of his book, The Road Back to You, An Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery, selling nearly 200,000 copies. That's right, 200,000 copies. If you haven't gotten this book yet, you can grab it on Amazon, iTunes, or wherever your local books are sold, so make sure you grab a copy. Welcome to part two of our two-part series with Mark Scandrett. You've probably heard of Mark. He's an author, teacher, activist, and coach for leaders and teams who want to create a better world from the inside out. He's written five books. He's well-versed in the Enneagram. And even though he is a four with a three-wing, we cover every number this week. So no matter what number you are, there's something here for you, and you're going to really, really enjoy it. So let's pick back up with part two of our series with Mark Scandrett. And now here's the host of our show, Ian Cron.
1: You know one of the things i've i've been thinking a lot about lately is you go through those um messages and sort of antidotal messages for for each i the role that community plays in transformation you know i've been in recovery for 30 years how would i have made it how would I have i remained sober for 30 years if i hadn't had a community that knew the right questions to yeah. ask that didn't get around me and didn't you know kick my butt or hug me or both when i needed it you know um and it's, I Listen, I think the work that, that you're doing, the kinds of things that I aspire to do, I mean, I think these are really, really, really important uh, callings. And I think, you know, uh, that for people to do the work of waking up, becoming more conscious creatures in the world is like, m- m- our, our planet might, you know, <laughs> depend on people waking up, you know? Yeah. And, and so, but then I, I think to myself, well, this is hard work to do alone. I mean, you just go out and buy a book you know what i mean and and read the book and then start to do i just don't think that's going to either happen or it's going to happen so slowly that people just give up if they do it on their own how do we create communities of that like i i've been thinking lately like like i would love to meet with a group of fours yeah you know like like you like me let's all get together and and envy one another but actually we would know you know uh, or or mixed groups whatever it is or both that where people are, you know, not being self-absorbed and talking about, but really doing deep work and yeah. and accompanying each other in it. Yeah, I've
2: found a lot of momentum in getting, together, getting people together in groups and doing an experiment together where we work through kind of a process of identifying what our issues are. And then each of us designing a practice to see if it helps us.
0: Mm. And
2: it, it gives... Well, you know, it gives a real chance to like not just explore the shadow, but confront it. You know, yes. to to face it and to find and to, and to tame it um, to some extent. And I just think community is such an important dynamic in this. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can do it on your own. I think you need mm. you need those people mirroring back to you and affirming you and celebrating your steps to live in greater coherence to what's real and true.
1: Mm. So let's maybe imagine this. Cause I, I, now that the summer months are here, I got this nice porch in front of my house and about once a week, you know, seven or eight guys show up for, they drink bourbon. I watch, I've been a designated driver for 30 years. Uh, now there's Uber. I've been spared greatly, but, but yeah. um, they come over, they drink bourbon on my porch, they smoke cigars, and they talk about their lives. Uh, and it's not forced at all. It's not like, you know, it's a very natural conversation, you know. Um, But I just as you were talking, I was like, man, I wish I had a group of five or six fours that were pretty evolved, you know what I mean? Or pretty self, you know, of course, we're all fairly well, you know, plugged into our feelings, but that where we could just be very honest about, okay, so here's, here's, where, the, here's where the growing edge is in my life. And uh, what could we do together, you know, uh, to help us grow in our particular personality style. Have you done something like that before? Uh, I have, I mean, we, we do, we
2: do, we get together all the personality types and we go through a, like a 21 day experiment. I just got done with one of these. I I taught a a day on, on personality and growth. And then we launched a 21 day experiment. We kind of had to manage it online because I was in the UK at the time and Mm -hmm. then came home. But then we, we would each kind of commit to an experiment and then check in once a week on what we were noticing kind of internally. And, um, as we went through the process and, um, I've done that many, many times. And I obviously in like face to face is more powerful. Um, I'm in a group of guys I've been, I've been meeting with a group of guys now for 19 years Wow, it's it's a it's a rotating cast, but there's a couple of us who've been around the the whole time, and most of us are pretty aware of our enneagram types. And we will, when we get together and go for a walk every Wednesday morning, we'll often say, "Here's what's going on with me." Like like I know, like I come home from a, a month of teaching in Australia or the UK, and I've 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 killed it. Like I've really done a g- good work, and um, but they just know for the two weeks afterwards, I'm going, who am I? I'm worthless. What is my life amounting to? What, when am I going to start mess, Stop messing around and actually get going with my, my work, you know, like, and they, they know me well enough to go, yeah, that's what you tell yourself, you know, or Mark, you blame your problems on your spouse, you know, and get really dramatic about that other person instead of facing yourself. Like, so they, they it's, it's, I'd like to think it's compassionate, but it's also like st- stating the obvious. You're not, you're speaking from your false self here.
1: Mm. That's that, you know, like the uh, Buddhists have that wonderful uh, expression about idiot compassion, yeah. you know, and idiot compassion is all loves and hugs, you know, uh, when true compassion actually could kick your butt from time to time. Yeah. Um. And we, we really need that in, in ways that, because like, for example, that question that your friend asked, uh, or told you about your behavior and what someone else told me. I mean, that took a lot of courage in both instances. Um, and, and, and it hurt in both instances, but I'll tell you something. A few things have changed me faster yeah. than that, than that moment of impact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. very few things. So here's a, you're a lover of questions, aren't you? I can tell. Love them. You, you, if, I oh, could, dude. if I could just come up with questions for a living. Oh my gosh. We got to we we have to spend more time together. Cause like, I'm a question, like I have a journal dedicated to nothing but great questions. Yeah. Do you have one of those?
2: No, but I write books and people will sometimes comment afterwards. There were like 300 really good questions in that book. <laughs> Way too many to ever answer.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So here's one question that I asked uh, at a thing I did the other day. It was, um, Go to a friend and ask this question: What do you know about me that I don't know about me, but I need to know about me? Oh yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, what is it about me that you know that I don't know, but I should? Yeah. So that's similar, not to similar to the one that you just yeah. mentioned. Give me, give me another, give me a favorite question of yours. Oh, do you wow. have one up top of your head? Um.
2: Well, I I tend to ask people a question like what is something different you could do in your mind and body that would that would change your life you know or Mm. uh, maybe similarly what is that thing that keeps coming up for you that feels like an invitation into greater wholeness that just you can't get out of your mind like it keeps it keeps at you inviting you
1: Mm, that's really good one of the things that I, uh, one question I like to ask is uh, who's pulling the strings, right? Like, just tell me who's pulling the strings on that behavior or who's pulling the strings on that way of thinking or who's pulling the strings on those feelings, you know, like can you trace that back to the source, the headwaters of whatever that is? And, you know, of course, in, you know, just intellectually knowing where something began doesn't change anything but you you do begin to get a fix on it you know it's as though okay so that has a source it you know its source could be true untrue maybe true at one time but not now but uh, again you know these these the questions that throw you back on your heels are some of the most important things you can have in life
2: now interestingly um, this this gets at the fact that um, uh, we respond differently to things so like you and I love. We have a similar personality. We love, we love exploring deeper. And I, I've, yeah. I've kind of realized like I'm a self awareness junkie. You know, like it, it's mm-hmm. a perfect pitfall of my personality. Let's talk more about me. Let me journal for another hour about what's down in there. And I realized at a certain point, journal like for a seven. Journaling could be a really important practice to sit with things. For me, it's like an obsession. It's a black mm. hole. I actually mm. need to get up and start working on my to-do list instead of exploring my deep questions more.
1: Mm. Yeah, or knowing at the moment, that, that moment when you have crossed over from it being a generative good thing to becoming another narcotic of some yeah. kind. Yeah. right. Yeah. And you're, you're right, because, I mean, you, you know, like, for example, eights, I know, the kind of conversation you and I are having right now, they'd be sound asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be looking at me like, okay, yeah, good, nice <laughs> questions, you know. It's like, you know, so, again, you know, trying to find the practice that fits type, too, you know, uh, so you're kind of customizing. And of course, the church— Church, you know, religious communities often, they, you know, they're they're limited, you know, programs, and they got, you know, kids things, and ba- there's a lot to do. You know what I mean? They don't have a full-time spiritual yeah. director. But, but every type does need to know what it needs to press against and customize a spiritual practice or group of practices that will uh, best unwind their excesses. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it sounds to me like that's what you're doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, we try and be sensitive to like we've had enough experience helping people design experiments that um, I've noticed some patterns to what what people choose and what tends to be helpful mm. um, for various types. Okay, continue. Do you do you want some ideas? Yeah, of course. I some do. Some examples. Um, let's start with let's start with uh, I'll just go around. We can do we'll we'll just go through the numbers. Um, okay. I often f- notice that with um, with ones because they're constant they're listening this message of constant improvement uh, it's really helpful for them to develop a practice of rest mm-hmm. like to, um, w- to 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 not make a to-do list or to, to choose to do something relaxing Often keeping a gratitude log is a really important practice because it's easy to focus on what what's not right, what should be different, and so mm-hmm. what are what am I grateful for? Um, for twos, because they're so oriented to others, often I see people, who, when they create an experiment, say, I'm gonna put a limit on the number of my social activities. Mm-hmm. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in tonight, or I'm gonna have a night or a couple nights of the week where it's just me time and I can do self-care. And for others of us, that doesn't seem like a big deal. It's a huge deal for many twos to uh, give that time. Uh, a lot of threes, um, I've, I, I've worked with a lot of pr- like professional ministry threes and w- with Enneagram in practice. And a lot of them will say, um, like, I tend to be doing more than one thing at a time and always oriented around my project. And so they'll choose things like, like uh, I'd, I I taught a doctoral course where many, there's like three or four threes and they, each of them said, I'm going to give, I'm going to spend an hour with my child or an hour with my spouse without my phone, asking questions and listening or doing something they want to do, which was a huge deal, like took a lot of, a lot of intentional effort to do that. Um, sometimes for threes, the uh, I just worked recently with a three who made, it, made a vow that for 21 days, he wouldn't use conversation as a way of getting more attention. And he found that he said for him, there was always ways that he could um, find ways, like very subtle ways to make sure that everyone in the conversation knew what a success he was and how he was achieving. And so mm. practicing secrecy was a, a big step uh, for him. Um, for fours...
1: Let's skip fours. Yep. Let's just skip it. Yep.
2: Five. They're perfect. Yeah, for five. <laughs> oh, no, no, they got too many problems. Where do we even start?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, just look at the famous fours list.
2: <laughs> um, for fours, um, I think practicing self-discipline, like, like fours can tend to be overwhelmed with feeling, and feeling keeps keeps a four from, from good action or engagement. And so to do a discipline of, of creating, like deciding on a schedule of how they use time and following it,
0: because Mm. it's going
2: to be, it's going to be life-giving, even if they don't feel like it can be a really powerful discipline Mm. for fives. uh, Sometimes putting limits on their acquisitiveness. Like I can only research this topic on the internet For 30 minutes a day instead of five hours. Or uh, even if they did, they could even try 20, 21 days of no Googling would be a big. Oh, oh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) that makes my five wing hurt. Yeah.
2: Um, I don't need to know more. Let me just be here now and Mm. act on what I already know without running for more information. Mm. Uh, Sometimes I, I think a step of engagement for a five. Um, I'm instead of withdrawing, I'm going to intentionally put myself in the mix with people it can be a huge, uh, pr- a practice that's hugely helpful. Some of them even give away books as a practice. Oh, that's good. Because they've been, because they, or give away possessions because they treat the things that they have acquired with such preciousness to let mm-hmm. them go is a big step. Mm-hmm. Um, for six is confronting the fear. Um, we had a guy in our community for a while who, he lived in San Francisco and we have earthquakes. He carried an earthquake preparedness kit wherever he went.
1: You know, I, okay. So, you know, when people tell me these stories, I always laugh because I'm like, because other people ask me, oh, that people don't do that. And I'm like, people totally do that sort of stuff within their types. Yeah. Every type does yeah. stuff you cannot believe they do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, to pick on the ones that are different than us, but. Oh yeah, totally. We totally got our thing. Um, and so for him, the practice was I walk out of the house every day for 40 days without a backpack with an earthquake preparedness kit in it. Yep. Yep. I've never walked with a backpack with an earthquake preparedness kit in it. But for him to go without it was a huge step of trusting that divine presence is with him yep. and will care take care of him. Um, mm-hmm. I think along with that f- repetitive physical activity often helps a six uh, get, get, get some energy out, get it direct instead of directing it towards anxiety, go for a walk or a run and use that time to practice gratefulness, to, mm-hmm. to affirm trust for sevens, a killer practice is often to sit with, to sit with the presence, uh, w- with the present moment. A friend of mine who's a seven who's been practicing this his 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 spiritual director told him, when you feel like you want to go do something else, watch a movie, pour a drink, um, uh, call you know connect with somebody instead of doing the hard thing, just sit for fifteen minutes and and see what ha- see what happens when you're not escaping. You'll you'll eventually find out the present moment's not so bad.
0: <laughs> mm,
1: that's right, that's good
2: <laughs> um, for eights some of them do this intuitively but uh, a killer practice is to be in places of vulnerability mm-hmm. small children, animals um, or to push yourself t- t- to the point where you feel your limits so you can embrace limitations so um, t- taking on some competitive sport that exhausts you or whatever, and submitting yourself to community so that you're not always the one in charge, that you, al- you make a discipline of allowing other people to decide where you're going to eat or how this decision is going to be made and make yourself a part of the group instead of standing outside of it. Mm. Nines, a great practice that has been helpful to a lot of people is you get up in the morning and it's hard, but express your desire. What do I want? And write it down on a piece of paper. Mm. Do something to move towards getting what you want. It's okay to want things and to make and to make them happen. Um, and uh, because nines all often struggle with momentum, to choose a list, a finite list of priorities for the day, and then not do anything else until they get that top level thing done will help helps that person embrace their sense of efficacy. My actions matter and I can make things happen.
1: Well, that's really good. Mark, you just remind me this past about the last ten days, um I've been working on a, a thing in my own life as a four. I you know, anyway, I, I did one of the big five, you know the the five factor test. You've done one of those, right? Yeah the personality measure. And you know, obviously as a four, for those of you who don't know this, it's five scales, openness to experience and conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And it kind of, this is a very, very heralded test in the world, you know, sort of like the most, it's the go-to measure, personality measure for lots and lots of psychologists. And um, I was appalled when I, what, what scale do you think I was lower on than any other scale? Besides, put neuroticism aside. We don't want to discuss okay. that one. Let's just, let's just go to the second one that I scored in, in a way that was less than... Wait, did, you say, did you say eroticism or neuroticism? No, that was neuroticism. <laughs> um, that, the scale you're talking about is entirely different. I know the one you're talking about, but <laughs> you, can only, you can only find it on Cinemax. Um, <laughs> so the, the scale that I was lower, l- I was quite low in was conscientiousness. Wow. And I was stunned. I was like, first of all, I was really insulted. <laughs> Number yeah. one, I was like, what do you mean? You know, I've done this, and I've you know written books or I write songs. And, you know, I mean, I get stuff done, but it's like, no, actually, you're kind of sloppy, and um, about getting stuff done. I mean, you do get stuff done, but it's like, well, if you're measuring against yourself, it's not a very good measure. You know, you know what yeah. I mean? Like another, it's kind of a false measure. Yeah. So i just and and my my goal was okay just do something one percent better don't try and you know do something amazing just one percent better a day just try and do something for a while that's one percent better now so for the last say i don't know week or 10 days i've been getting up every day and making my bed doing the dishes yeah after every meal right i mean like like not as a four thinking that's very pedestrian stuff, you know, because I'm I'm trying to figure out the world's greatest problems. Yeah, you know, and that those things are beneath me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Those are not very; those are very ordinary yeah. things. Right. Uh, when I need to be doing the extraordinary all the time, and I'm like, nope, not not today, pal. You're going to make your bed, and then you're going to fold your towel after you take a shower, and you know, and not leave it to your minions, yes. quote unquote, to take care of all those things for you, so that you can sit on the porch and write your. The book that will save the world, yes, which is absolute (laughs) psychosis. That is absolute psychosis. But again, what you're describing is what I'm a little bit of what I think I'm trying to do, which is like saying, No, we're gonna start with doing the dishes, yeah. That's what that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna do the dang dishes and then brush our teeth and go to bed, you know. It's like, yeah, these things do help,
2: yeah. And I think you nailed it with your practice, like to attend, like as a way of uh, i guess combating that sort of self involvement to say the small things matter and and rather than always thinking romantically about solving the world's problems i i'm going to make my bed
1: yeah good yeah and well and and too because i'm married to a nine who would is perfectly fine making the bed for me because she scores so high on agreeableness yeah That it would, and even if she's getting angry about the fact that she's always, you know, having to do the dishes while I'm out on the porch trying to be Camus, you know, she's, you know, she's, you know, I'm actually hurting her. I'm actually, you know, taking her away from the things that she should be doing with her life because she's, you know, picking up after, you know, her, you know, self-proclaimed poet husband, you know, and. uh, That's the fatal attraction. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There are a number of those. It works
2: out well for you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's a contract. <laughs> and two people signed it. I mean, it is it's it is crazy in marriages, right? That that's actually how it works out. You realize at about year 20, oh my gosh, this this is a drama. I've been enlisted into a drama and I didn't even have any idea that this was a play. It was yeah. theater. It was happening in my own home, you know, all, the whole time.
2: I, I had a similar thing happen to me on this very thing where a, I asked for some feedback from a friend who I worked with and he said, You're really present to me, like, to talk about my major life issues. But sometimes when we're working together, I just wish you would, like, help, like, pack the bus, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just can't tell you the amount of shame I'm feeling right now. I feel like crawling under the couch while... You're yeah. saying the other thing that, that happened thing. to
2: me recently is I literally told somebody I work with, I'm not high maintenance. Oh, and they looked at me like, "Yes, you are." Like, and so it's it shows we have these perceptions of ourselves that other people don't experience us that way. You know, it's a story. Oh, it's a story we're telling.
1: You know it the research on self-awareness is so remarkable um there's a couple of new books out recently and one that one that's pretty good was talking about how they had created a large-scale study and uh uh, setting up criteria for self-awareness and this is psychologists and their team and what they discovered was is that 87 percent uh of people say they 100 of people if you look at the scales only thirteen percent of people who took the that were involved in the study actually met the criteria for self-awareness of the other 87 percent who were not self-aware were the ones who actually reported themselves to be the most self-aware wow scary yeah scary so in other <laughs> words there's a, there was a correlation here which is that the the higher the more sure you were that you were self-aware the less self-aware that you you know you actually were i mean i'm not saying that you know it wasn't that that syntax wasn't great but you get the idea right that it's like oh wow self-deception at its greatest now you got me scared i know (laughs) no i don't think you i don't think either one of us needs to be you know self let me put it this way so i might sometimes confuse self-interest with (laughs) self-awareness uh and that's not a that's not a good that's not a good place to get confused, but you know there there it is yeah there it is all right so what are you reading these days that that is helping inform your your spiritual journey toward awareness yeah it could be an enneagram book it could be anything like what what are you into right now that's like would help people I'm reading a lot uh, of the literature in neuroscience
2: because and, and neuroscience behavior and self discipline um, yes because I think you know, we, we, we've gone through a real revolution in psychology just in the last 20 years where Mm -hmm. I I think in the 20th century, psychology was about pathology, uh, primarily and thinking if you gain enough insight into your childhood, you're gonna be able to be liberated and, and choose differently. And I think we're all, all, everything we're discovering about how the brain works and how habits formed. Um, I, I find
1: so helpful. So have you been reading Dan Siegel, like like or or like Mindsight? Lots or... of
2: lots of Dan Siegel. I just read Behave. I can't pronounce the last name of this person, but it's a it's it attempts to be a comprehensive explanation of human behavior. Um wow. from a from a cellular to a social level. Um, that kind of stuff is helpful. I just read um, Siegelman's Martin Siegelman's Flourish.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Positive psychology
2: school—the argument for positive psychology—and that resonates so much with me that, like, we're as far as how I how I understand kind of Christian formation and and Jesus Jesus use of the term the kingdom of God that we're on a we're in the process of learning learning to be fully flourishing human beings, and so rather rather than having this like black or white either or a achievement understanding. We're like, how, how can I live in greater coherence to what's real to, mm-hmm. you know, it's a great, a great animating question for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate Seligman's work. And I think it may have been uh, either him or uh, Vandercock who speaks about how um you know i for example i was trained in the medical model right so when somebody came in my in my office if i still had a practice they would come in the office and I, my first question in my mind would be what's your problem yeah right like like you are a problem you have a problem or a, you know i would pathologize them so i'd say you have a problem my job is to name the problem and then fix it right hopefully with your cooperation you know and and we're you know the positive psychology school is a more interesting nuanced approach which is Well, let's begin with what's right about you. Yeah. You know, let's begin about what's originally good about you and then see if that somehow or another can be worked on to uh, grow at a greater pace than whatever's wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? In other words, to generate more energy around the what's right part. Now, that doesn't work in every instance with every person and with every problem, but for your normal natural, you know, for your your garden variety and erotic, it works pretty great, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think those are really, uh, yeah, really exciting, exciting books.
2: books. I recently re- reread the Rizzo Hudson, one of the original Rizzo Hudson books. It's not the big blue book. It's, it's personality types. Yeah. And I, I those 10 steps towards disintegration don't super appeal to me, like, you know, for yeah. each personality type, but something that they say in the last pages really has stuck with me. Um, I won't, this will be my impression of what, what it actually was, but it, it was, if you basically, um, they're saying if you got what you, you, the the false self of your personality wanted, you would not be any more fulfilled or happy than you are now. Like it's a dead, it's a dead end. It's a black hole. And, Mm. and, um, and like we're being invited to return again t- to the source of of real flourishing and health and wholeness that's closer than your very breath it's it's not in the future and it's not elsewhere like uh that connection to the divine that animates all of life is right here if you could just consent to it you, you know you'll the more you're able to consent to that the more flourishing you're going to experience Rather than telling yourself when I finally feel special or when I finally achieve that, or when I finally feel safe enough, it's just never going to happen. You know, and I think about all the time and energy I've spent in my life saying I, I can be satisfied when, and it's down the road, you know, Mm. it's, it's here.
1: Yeah. I, I sometimes ask myself the question or others, the question, you know, Uh, Fill in the blank. I'll love myself when. Yeah. You know, or I'll forgive myself when. Or, you know, I'll be happy when, I'll be this when. But you're right. uh, But it's so hard to talk ourselves out of it. It's so hard, isn't it?
2: Yeah. It takes a lifetime.
1: Yeah, and I want to revisit with you sometime to have you back on to talk about community. Because I do think it's a huge missing piece in the equation, um that um this is very hard work to do by yourself and and i just don't actually i don't think it's any fun yeah (laughs) i think there ought to be some fun i mean i don't think it all should be you know i mean i think i think there should be some you know joy involved and laughter involved and and shared tears involved all the above but i think that uh it's it's a it's a subject worth thinking about like how do we Help people uh like us to be in communities where these very things, these very ideas can be uh, batted around in a way that is uh, that leads to real life change mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's huge
2: and it would be interesting to think about communities of of similar personality types because you kind of um sometimes you end up spending a lot of time explaining yourself because it doesn't make sense to other people. Why would you think that? but it makes a lot of sense to us of that type, oh.
1: right? Oh, totally. And, and then you can also smell the BS. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when someone's saying one thing, you're like, no, mm, that just sounds false, you know, or that does not ring true. So, well, Mark, how can people find out more about what you're doing and where you're doing it? Um, I want everybody to, to just be attuned to your books, your teaching schedule, everything. How do they find out? Uh, best place would be
2: uh, at Mark Scandrette dot com. M-A-R-K-S-C-A-N-D-R-E-T-T-E dot com. And it'll show you books I've written and where I'll be teaching next and some of the, our ongoing projects. I've actually been working on a project for the last couple of years on the Beatitudes and practice, and spiritual practice or life mm-hmm. practice and have done, people have often been interested in the connection between Beatitudes and uh, enneagram. And so there's a bit of live teaching about that. And I'm working on a book on on some of those.
1: That sounds very cool. I'm, I'm familiar with some of that literature around the Enneagram and the Beatitudes. And there is a really cool connection between the two. Yeah. Um, that's wonderful. Well, Mark, this has been great, man. I mean, I'm just thrilled to have had you on the show. What an honor and so fun to connect with you again after so many years and not being on an island in a hurricane yeah. with you. wow. You know? Who knew? Yeah. And by the way, I have to say that my 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 one of my fondest moments of, of that day together in that house with uh, that that cast of all stars was uh, when Richard. I think I think it was Tony Jones who said to Richard, "Can why don't you teach us the Enneagram? Do you remember this?" Yeah. And so Richard, without any preparation, stood up and for about four four or five hours, right? Yeah. Taught the Enneagram, and Maggie and Tom Wright were sitting at his feet. Yep. Like, like cross legged, like kids at like, you know, Young Life Camp sitting at his feet, looking up at the speaker, you know what I mean? Uh and and identifying their type. And I thought, this 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 is an alternate we're in a different universe for the next twenty four hours it was so great. Yeah.
2: And he it's surprising that he's a seven. Fascinating that he he self identifies
1: yeah. as a seven. Crazy. A right? very competent he, he, seven. Wow. Who goes to five? A lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> A lot. He lives a long time in five yep. anyway. Well, brother, best to you, to your family, all peace and good on your ministry and your life of teaching. You, we need you in the world. Yeah. Thanks.
2: It's been, and appreciate what you do. And I'm grateful for um, h- how many people are getting familiar with uh, the dynamics of their personality through your work.
1: Well, thank you. Typology listeners, be sure to look up markscandrette.com M-A-R-K-S-C-A-N-D-R-E-T-T-E.com to check out his speaking schedule, his books, all the amazing things that he's doing. Remember to check out my friend Michael Cusick's work at restoringthesoul.com forward slash typology. And remember, until next week, the words of the great Oscar Wilde, be yourself, everybody else is already taken.